chapter nineteen of historical romance of the american negro by charles fowler this librivox recording is in the public domain eminent colored men and women bishop daniel e payne frederick douglas his life and times mrs francis ellen harper miss louise de morty one of the hardest things in the world is to keep down a man who is determined to rise he comes up like a plant of spontaneous growth and the more we try to keep him down the more he will persevere in his determination to stand upon his own feet like other men this was often shown in the days before the war when the bold intrepid slave who clearly saw that the whole system was wrong made up his mind at least to be free and the next thing we hear of him is a daring and successful attempt to shake off the chains of slavery through his successful escape to the free states of the north or to canada or even to europe but this determined spirit to at least be free did not confine itself merely to such adventurous and successful escapes but assumed the form of acquiring an education also and no better illustration of this can be given than that of the late bishop daniel e payne of the a m e church who was born in south carolina in the year eighteen eleven the heinous system of slavery in that rebellious state treated as a crime the teaching of any slave or free colored person whatsoever but daniel e payne had an unquenchable thirst for knowledge and in order to flank the evil system that then prevailed and to gain that knowledge to which he was as much entitled as the president of the united states himself he procured the assistance of a friendly white man who taught him in a cellar where neither friend nor foe could see what they were doing daniel was an apt and clever student and above all things as the bible says he had a mind to work and an enthusiastic mind at that it did not take this young hero long to take in the entire situation regarding slave lands and slavery when once his mind had begun to expand like moses and many other famous leaders the lord had work for him to do and he was preparing for him for it at this time young payne saw that south carolina was no place for him and that the first duty he owed to himself was to get away as best he could to the northern states where he could enjoy his own manly and manful rights as fortune favors the brave he succeeded in making his escape and his freedom being now secure he made all due haste to become the eminent scholar who was destined by the will of god to become a leader and inst instructor of his people he connected himself with the a m e church and through and by means of that powerful body he did mighty things for the education of his own people both before the war and after it he has justly been called the apostle of education and what the great fred douglas was in the political world daniel e payne was in the educational and intellectual world such a man as bishop payne should be revered as a philanthropist for all coming time the colored race will never be able to say that they are out of his debt at last he was made a bishop of his own church 
and became the head of wilberforce university in ohio a glorious institution that had made itself felt by its influence over all this nation bishop payne was sent to europe for a time in the interest of his church and his high qualities were everywhere honored by the christian and scholars across the atlantic thus we see in daniel payne a diamond in the rough in the slave state of south carolina but by the predetermined will of god brought to the free north and polished as it were by the hand of the jeweller we see all the work that the great creator had given him to do and how well he did it too and what we have said of pain could as well be said of thousands of others men in whom the spirit of right and ambition dwells men who ever forge to the front men whom god helps because he sees that they are also willing to help themselves we next come to the far-famed and highly celebrated frederick douglas renowned over all the earth wherever honest worth is appreciated and valued by the civilized sons and daughters of adam the name of frederick douglas as he is affectionately called stands out in alto relief with that of john bunyan george washington and some few others who carry fame and goodness with them at one and the same time nobody seems to be jealous of them nor envy them for their fame is far beyond the reach of jealousy or envy it would be a difficult thing to find a village valley or an isle of any ocean on the face of the globe where the familiar endearing name of frederick douglas has not been heard the children growing up at their mother's knees have learned to lisp it as a name to be revered and when they grow up to man's estate nothing will content them until they have read the life of the famous frederick douglas the opinion or rather the belief has prevailed in america that frederick douglas was the son of a white father and a colored mother and that white father has been supposed to have been his owner but in the history of his own life and times published a few years ago douglas positively affirms that both his parents were colored and for my own part i believe that to be the truth as men like fred douglas are very few and far between the wish among many of the anti-slavery school at least seems to have been father to the thought that so clever a man could never have been the offspring of colored parents but that his father at least must have been white not so by any means frederick himself makes it quite plain that his father and mother were both colored and he tells us all about it in his usual modest way fred douglas was born in the region called tuckahoe neck in talbot county on the eastern shore of maryland in the year eighteen seventeen there is something unusually sad and plaintive about the way in which the poor child was separated from his own father and mother and how he came up on the rough side of the mountain of slavery the poor lad was subjected not only to the purest barbarities but had to undergo treatment that may be called sheer cowardice on the part of his tormentors well might the prophet exclaim how long o oh lord how long whilst he was a boy growing up at baltimore his mistress kindly taught him him his letters and went some way in giving him further instructions till at last his master advised her to stop teaching him as such things and slavery did not work well together 
no indeed they did not work well together especially in the heart and soul of a boy like fred who already began to look into the workings of the curse of slavery to stop fred from learning was now impossible one might as well dam up a mountain rill with one's hands it would simply flow over the top of them or round about them nature will have her way and the great creator had implanted the germ of liberty in the boy's heart whose growth was not to be kept down after many ups and downs on the eastern and western shores of maryland when our hero had arrived at about the age of twenty-one in the year eighteen thirty-eight he resolved to make a bold stroke for liberty and accordingly being dressed up like a sailor he took the train at baltimore for philadelphia luckily escaping detection and having successfully run the gauntlet by the way he landed upon the platform of the quaker city all right but he did not consider himself safe even here so he left philadelphia still dressed in his sailor's suit and came on to the city of new york arise shine forth for thy light has come and the glory of the lord has risen upon thee thus said the prophet and fred douglas in his last book the history of his life and times almost sets up a perfect yell of delight at having escaped from the horrors of slavery and being a free man the few days he spent in new york city among the friends of the free must have been a perfect springtime of life to him free 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 as the wild waves of the deep free to go where he pleased and to read and study what he liked our glorious youthful fred this splendid well-built stout-bodied young man of twenty-one did a very sensible thing whilst in new york he had a lady-love at baltimore a free young woman of color named anna but before he moved a step further he sent for her to come on to new york city so to new york he came and here the interesting young couple were married this indeed was a very lively stroke of business on the part of frederick but he was now at the golden age of twenty-one it was best for him to marry now because it would give him something to live and toil for and also give ballast to his ship of life the great creator and his daughter nature made no mistakes my own marriage with my own beloved tom has been no failure we have never repented of it either of us we could have done no better and so it was with fred douglas and his beloved anna from baltimore there never was a more manly bridegroom than he above all things he was a christian and a gentleman in the very essence of his nature a man of lofty honor and principle and with such a man as that a young woman is for ever in safety all this time eighteen thirty eight the abolitionists were under full swing led on by william lloyd garrison of massachusetts and backed up by all those who beheld the dawn of freedom on the eastern horizon garrison's paper the liberator sent forth its blasts all over the northern states but the north at that time abode in thick darkness as to the rights of colored men to freedom and on the self-same footing with themselves and not only did thick darkness covered the land but entire legions and hosts of the people were almost as much prejudiced upon the slave question as the slaveholders of the south they had no more idea of the grand self-elevating capabilities of the colored race than the child that was unborn and the ignorant masses of white people were certainly unwilling to give them a chance and our poor dear fred now a married man had just to stand his chances and run his risks with the rest while the untutored north was in such a crude and chaotic state therefore on account of the presence of so much ignorance and prejudice against men of color in new york city the friends of freedom considered it unsafe for frederick douglas to remain there any longer and advised him to move on to new bedford in massachusetts where he would at least be out of danger 
we can never forget the honored name of mr david ruggles a colored gentleman of new york city in connection with these events it was he who mainly took charge of our hero and his wife in new york city and sent them on to new bedford and when they arrived in new bedford they were met by one mr nathan johnson a very intelligent and industrious colored man a warm friend of theirs who advanced them a sum of money to redeem their baggage which was held for fair he advised fred to drop the name of fred lloyd and to call himself fred as d nathan johnson had lately been reading of douglas in sir walter scott's novels relating to scotland and the scotch being now in possession of his freedom having a sweet young wife and a home of his own he had something to live for douglas had learned the trade of the shipbuilder at baltimore but was unable to work at that trade at new bedford on account of the prejudices of the white workmen there against colour for had he taken his tools in among them and gone to work they would all at once have stopped work and left the yard such was the character of even northern men in the year eighteen thirty eight but douglas was not the man to flinch he was strong-hearty and handy at almost everything if he could not do one thing he could do another and therefore he picked up a living at anything that presented itself to him the old colored race are pre-eminently inquiring and possess a thirst and love for knowledge in the very highest degree fred douglas was a splendid specimen of this noble trait of character being now his own master he literally devoured knowledge and his splendid intellect expanded flourished and grew on apace like the growth of vegetation in the tropics he was no longer watched or almost murdered if he was found with a book in his hand he was no longer the so-called property of a fellow calling himself his owner who him of his week's wages and then pretended to make him a present of a quarter of his own money to treat himself with oh dear me no no more of that for him when this brave young man this hero of twenty-one had done his day's work he came home to his beloved anna at his cosy home in new bedford and after he had his supper the way was clear for a grand time reading the liberator which william lord garrison sent out every week and that fired the warm receptive mind and heart of young fred so that his fame as a brilliant conversationalist and a well-read man spread rapidly throughout the town he had been often listened to as an exhorter and unusually fervid speaker at the colored methodist church in the town and all men with sharp eyes perceived that another star had risen in the intellectual heavens and that some circumstance or other would bring him to the front some day and it came to pass as they had prophesied in new bedford mr douglas had attended several meetings in defence of the poor oppressed slave and there he had heard the most unmitigated denunciation of the whole infamous system of slavery the eloquent burning language of the speakers went home to his heart in the summer of eighteen forty one when douglas was twenty-four years old an anti-slavery convention was to be held at nantucket massachusetts a place not far from new bedford and the convention would be under the management of the famous william lloyd garrison whose weekly paper the liberator douglas had been devouring week by week with such unwonted avidity he determined to take a little respite from his hard work in the brass foundry and attend this gathering of anti-slavery people there was a great assemblage of people at nantucket the fires of enthusiasm on behalf of the oppressed slave burned hot and high in the midst of the vast audience here assembled there was one mr 
william c coffin who had heard the eloquent and burning words of frederick douglass as he harangued the little audiences of the colored methodist church in new bedford mr coffin sought out our unknown hero and gave him such a vigorous invitation to speak that his hesitancy and bashfulness and backwardness were all entirely overcome and fred douglass nothing daunted now mounted the platform and made such an oration as filled every thinking man and woman with astonishment his simple burning tale of his own wrongs and experiences completely swept his audience away and like the queen of sheba there seemed to be no more spirit left in them fred douglas had come to stay the name and fame of fred douglas arose like a brilliant and new star in the heavens he began to travel and lecture in different parts of the new england states and paid visits to other sections of the north his noble presence and splendid eloquence drew the eyes and ears of the whole country his great name crossed the atlantic and spread throughout the british isles his powerful pen in the columns of the liberator and elsewhere added still further to his fame everybody who hated and detested slavery desired to see him and to hear him speak he was a power in the anti-slavery party and he himself laid the axe most willingly with all his might and main the question arose if one colored man can do so much and what can the whole race do if they were set at liberty on account of the rising excitement all over the land on the slavery question in the year eighteen forty five the friends of mr douglas sent him to england in crossing the north atlantic the passengers called upon him to make a speech on the question of slavery and he complied there were several gentlemen on board who most violently objected to any such attacks on their holy institution of slavery but the captain was master of his own vessel and put down that southern mutiny with a strong hand these pro-slavery gentlemen tried to justify their conduct afterwards in the london papers but john bull would not hear them and it was simply a splendid advertisement for the fair name and fame of mr douglas for two years he travelled the british isles speaking upon the subject of american slavery he was received well everywhere and the fine spreading plains of old england the beautiful valleys of wales the green fields of ireland and the bold mountains of scotland all rang with the illustrious name of fred douglas such a man as he was did not belong to the coloured race alone and to the united states he belonged to the whole world and to all races such men can never be appropriated by one people but they are indeed the common property of all douglas returned home and founded a paper called the north star he moved to rochester new york and there he and his family took up their abode the glorious work for the destruction of slavery went on grew and increased and at last brought on the war of secession and freedom likewise for the entire enslaved race mr douglas then removed to washington and was honored with high offices in the services of his native country he had the misfortune of losing his darling anna though after five years he married again and went on a wedding tour to europe and the east this being his third voyage across the ocean he died at washington in february eighteen ninety five at the age of seventy eight no very great age but then he had done the work of ten men and that wears human life rapidly away
thousands of eminent men have arisen from the ranks of the colored race since eighteen sixty five and thousands are now upon their feet also their names have reached the ends of the earth but fred douglas was early in the field and he was a very very bright particular star like john bunyan george washington and some few others he shines for all time and for the entire human race he did a mighty work for god and humanity of all those illustrious men who have been born of women there has never arisen a greater man in all the annals of time than our congenial friend and brother fred douglas my dear reader i have given but short sketches of two eminent colored men who elevated themselves head and shoulder above their fellows for the purpose of showing what the race can do and i could go on to any length in the same strain and pick out and describe other eminent men whose fame has reached the ends of the earth though not in the same degree as fred douglas but i need not dwell further here in showing what we can do especially now that we are set free though the whole world freely admits that we have done well and very well still we are only now at the threshold of our advancement for it is only thirty odd years since the close of the war but in that short time we have beaten every other race in the way of progress and the sun is only yet one hour above the horizon by and by we shall have the full noon day i have mentioned fred douglas and daniel e payne and it is only just that a couple of other representative women should be singled out to show what our women can do we have had no bright particular star among the gentler sex like fred douglas among men but still the colored race like other peoples can certainly boast of a splendid galaxy of eminent and clever women who only lack better education and wider and greater opportunities to shine more than they did the women have so far not had the same chances as the men but they are getting them now and they are coming to the front one by one coming out one here and another there like the bright stars of the night high school and colleges of all kinds are now thrown open for our daughters and wherever there are genius and ability they will forge to the front and make themselves known contemporaneous with bishop daniel e payne and fred douglas we mention the name of mrs frances ellen harper who was born in baltimore maryland in the year eighteen twenty five her home for many years has been the queen city of philadelphia mrs harper is a noble woman among women and impresses all comers with her unusual natural sweetness and graceful ladylike ways there is a deal of magnetism about her that attracts all those who hear her sweet well-trained voice and that draws us towards her by the comeliness of her graceful presence we have all heard of a bundle of love but mrs francis harper is a bundle of natural and cultivated intellect and of refined and polished manners her sweetness draws us to her like the charming and fragrant rose in the flower garden born during the reign of slavery when days were dark and friends were few she did not have a right and proper opportunity of getting an early education as the young ladies are getting to-day but all the same the great creator gave her talents and she has had a thirst for knowledge and a mind to work this indeed is half the battle and sometimes much more than half mrs harper applied herself most vigorously to study as she was growing up in her teens and by the time she had come to woman's estate she was well educated thus we see that nobody need despair of becoming well educated for we can all learn if we only have pluck and ambition and patience and perseverance with them to forge to the front like the lady in question this eminent woman soon became widely known for her brilliant talents and all her sweet lady-like graces and admonished all abolitionists and anti-slavery people what our race could do if they were once freed from their shackles 
mrs harper possessed a great natural fondness for poetry which she proceeded early to cultivate so that she had become well known for her sweet effusions in that line and they have been published far and wide throughout the world and prove that we have birds of song among us as well as others she has written some pieces possessing much merit she has a great natural facility for writing and reminds me of a clause in deborah's song of triumph in the fifth chapter of the book of judges out of lebanon came down those who handle the pen of the writer for a facile easy pen mrs francis ellen harper is a perfect labulonite for she has shown that she also can handle the pen of the writer this gifted lady has also been a bright and shining light on the lecture platform and indeed has appeared on many of the leading platforms of the nation and crowned herself with honor and glory she has proved to the whole world that a woman can do mighty deeds as well as man there was a dark and doleful time in this world's history when a woman was regarded as little more than a mere serf for man's will and pleasure everywhere but those dark ages have passed away and women have advanced to the front line and taken their rightful places in the world mrs harper is a living proof of this nobility among women and she has done yeoman service in trying to elevate her sisters of the colored race her splendid services will never be forgotten by either this generation or the generations to come well done good and faithful servant enter thou into the joy of thy lord louise de morty of norfolk virginia was born of free parents in that place in the year eighteen thirty three as she was not allowed to receive an education at the home of her youth she decided to go to boston where she could get one it was in the year eighteen fifty three that she took up her residence in that city when she was twenty years of age with life and all its opportunities before her in a free state at once she took a vigorous hold and availed herself of all favoring opportunities that presented themselves she was a young maiden of great personal beauty and possessed a sweet disposition and a most remarkably good memory she took very high standing as a pupil in the schools and seminaries of boston and made a whole host of friends won over by her graces and accomplishments in eighteen sixty two she came out as a public reader and shone like a very brilliant star she showed that she was a perfect elocutionist by birth and had been polished like a rich jewel her natural beauty and personal graces engaging manners and richly toned voice drew the eyes of the whole country just as she had come to be well known she heard of the great destitution among the colored orphans at new orleans at the close of the war hither she hastened and in eighteen sixty seven raised funds to build an asylum for the colored people of that city this she did in her spirit of christian love and she won the hearts of all those who beheld her like another angel of mercy at her good works but the yellow fever struck her down on the tenth of october of the above year eighteen sixty seven when she said so touchingly i belong to god our father and then expired thus was this brave young woman cut off in her thirty-fourth year but she lived long enough to show to others a brilliant example that will never be forgotten End of chapter 19.